Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Beast Pod. Uh, joining you from a very snowy and cold uh, Munich, my name is Ian Bottrell and I'm delighted to be joined as ever by my two fabulous and some might even say award-winning co-hosts because Charlie Casson uh, behind me or below me on the screen I should say is holding up uh, our beautiful award but more of that later or less of that if you've been following us on social media I'm sure you're sick of us talking about it uh, but first of all starting with Charlie then and that award Charlie how are you doing this evening? Very well thank you. Good 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 and I'm also delighted to be joined by Mem. Mem how are you doing this evening? I am amazing I'm very good it's been it's, it's been a good week. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, well, uh, we are just going to very quickly address the award and just say a huge thank you to everyone um, for voting for us, for supporting for us, uh, for, for listening to what we've put out over the last few years. I think we sort of felt a bit like Sean Bat did in 2016 against Hartlepool United when he scored uh, his only goal for Barnet in, I think, 30-odd appearances to complete a 3-2 comeback. Uh, we sort of went delirious on the stage, had a great time. Um, but most importantly, we're just really happy to be doing what we love, which is talking about Barnett. Um, unfortunately, though, um, our victory in that award has coincided uh, with a run of poor form. Um, Mem and I spoke briefly on the pod uh, after Chesterfield defeat, but that's since been compounded by a 2-0 reverse against Gateshead, a 4-1 defeat against Oldham, and then, of course, a fairly uh, awful, gut-wrenching 3-2 defeat away at Wildstone on Saturday. So, Charlie, starting with you, first of all, because I've seen you... Um, at many of those games, uh, often the pair of us starting off with a, a warm greeting and then followed very quickly by uh, a feeling of sadness as we've left the, the stadium. Just take me through the last few games from your perspective. What's happened? Um, is it over? Is the season over? Is the title race over? Are we heading towards mid-table mediocrity or is this just a blip that we need to get through um, and, uh, and we'll get through in due course? I'll start off by saying, yes, title race is over. Title race is over, I think. The position Chesterfield are in with a game in hand. There's no catching, there's no catching them, and that they they can afford to have a blip. You know they can afford to lose three in a row and still win the league. Um, the season's not over. If you you know if we hadn't had the start we'd had, and if we hadn't lost four in a row, and we found ourselves third, you know joint second, everyone would be buzzing with it. So I think it seems worse than it is because of the position we were in, and now we've fallen off a little bit. But we were never expected to be up there anyway. So. It's not over. The season's not over. Um, Chesterfield, I didn't expect us to get a result. Gateshead, we all knew that they were a brilliant football inside. And I think we all held our hands up and said we got beat by the better team there. Um, Oldham, you know, silly silly mistakes um, got us 1-0 down. And we come back and we were we were bombarding them, really. And we should have, we should have you know, on another day, we go on to win that. But it's just, it's just luck. We're just not getting the... We're not getting the rub of the green. Um, and then we go, you know, we go ahead twice in a derby away and end up losing with pretty much the last kick. So you knew you knew that was coming. The last, I think when the board went up uh, last Saturday at Willstone, I don't think, I can't recall us having it in our, in our, uh, the opposition box, sorry, to, to, you know, it was the whole six minutes or what, five minutes or however many minutes were added. It was just Willstone, Willstone, Willstone. They had corners, free kicks, they hit the bar, Another corner, you just you just knew it was coming, uh, especially with the run of luck we'd had. So, listen, it's it's two cup games now, much welcomed, you know, to get away from the league. Uh, I think you know it will suit us, and it won't surprise me if we go to Newport and win on Saturday. But listen, the season not over. We've got a big Christmas coming up, and I believe in everyone, you know, to turn it around on and off the pitch, fans and staff and players. 
It's interesting, man, because what we've had in, in the last few weeks has been, if you look at the XG and the underlying stats, a, a couple, all four, have actually been relatively even games, with the exception perhaps the Chesterfield second half and the Gateshead first half insofar as, like, chances. But certainly against Oldham and against Wealdstone, those were games where... The, the, the balance of play was quite even and we just had a couple of big moments go against us. So to what extent do you think it's just a couple of small changes in our luck and in situations in a game versus like a quite significant, not collapse, but a sort of quite significant dip in performance level? What have you noticed as some sort of key patterns over the last four games or so? I think in all the games, I personally think we've slightly been found out. And I don't mean that in a way of we've found out we're rubbish, blah, blah, blah. Um, in that teams now understand our pattern of plays, our pattern of play. And what they're doing is they're setting up to negate the, the, those patterns and blocking them. And I think that's where a lot of the issues are stemming from. So Gateshead, we just couldn't get going. They were a really good footballing team. But I thought against Oldham... They kind of followed the pattern that they've obviously watched a Chesterfield video and they were doing very something very similar and then they were looking to hit us on the break. I felt actually the Oldham game and the Chesterfield game were very similar in the ways that both both those teams hurt us um, in that they both were looking looking to actually draw us on and then hit us on the break. Um, against Wildstone, I think they set up to, um, to do the same thing. So essentially what a lot of these teams are doing is they're sitting on Hartigan. And what they're doing now is from that point, and then they're blocking the lanes out to Idris or they're trying to block the lanes out to Idris and out to the wide players because that's where we usually go to play funnels through Hartigan and then it goes out to the wide areas and then we build from there. And I think what they're doing is it's noticeable that the players are positioning themselves in those lanes to, to, to block it out. And what that's doing is it's slightly unravelling us because the team are having to force passes through and then it's causing us, and we're, we're turning over possession a lot cheaper than we were early in the season, where we were absolutely playing teams off the park. And and to be honest, that was going to happen at some point in the season where teams were going to sunny suss how to, to block us out. So it's for me, it's now the next phase is how can how can Dean do what we did against South End, where we reinvent ourselves and then come back at it with a different pattern of play. Charlie, is that something that you've kind of noticed in, in recent games that has perhaps been a little bit disjointed, perhaps? And we're talking there, if we look at the start of the season, we had, you know, players kind of firing on all cylinders, like Kabamba. Um, we looked really solid at the back. We had Kanu getting in really positive attacking areas. Hartigan, when he came in, making us tick. And obviously, Brunt was showing those real touches of class. I would say it's probably fair to say that all four of those players' performance levels have dipped slightly, perhaps for different reasons and perhaps because it's the balance of the team. But do you kind of agree with Mem's assessment there that it seems to be a, a midfield issue perhaps with teams stopping us from playing out from the back or is there something else that you've noticed in how we're playing? Do you know what? It started, this, I don't want to call it a downfall. It's not a downfall, but this started when, and this is funny to say this because they were two of our strongest players in the first, first uh, quarter of the season. But when... When when Collins and Aluwu came back, huge boosts, yes. But I felt like, not that they weren't ready, but I felt like it's it's taken us a while to get back into the swing of things of what we were before, when they were you know when they were fit at the start of the season. Um, we almost attack. You know, you think back to some of those games in the start of the season where Collins would almost be playing as a as a right centre forward at times. How far forward he was getting, and we've not seen any of that. And I just I think it's. We we went so long with those injuries. Um, have we managed to 
get back and and get used to where we were at, at the start. Um, and I agree with what Mem said. You you know Hartken since Pete since teams have started to clock onto Hartken, he's been absolutely you know non-existent. Um, and it's affecting his play. He's the kind of midfielder who likes to get the ball, receive it. Um, you know, have a look around and, and see where we can move it. And he's not getting the time to do that. And it's really affecting his play. He's giving it away cheaply. He's, you know, he's getting out muscled off the ball. He's, he's, um, you know, he's, he's not the player we saw the first part of the season. I think that's, you know, testament to, to other teams that have done their homework. But um, I just feel like, I feel like the last few games we have panicked. I feel like after Chesterfield, even at Chesterfield, we've spoke about this before, how... We went 1-0 down and brought Gary Hooper on straight away in like the 50th minute, 60th minute or whatever it was. And that that, that felt like the first moment of panic. Um, and I feel like that, cause that continued through. Um, I felt like the Oldham team selection was panic. It was a bit of, you know, I understand we've got loads of games, but I feel like that was a bit of what can we do differently now because of these two defeats. Uh, whereas... You know, I thought that we should have just stuck to what we were doing. And um, Gary Hooper's class, but you know, he's he's not the fittest of players at the minute, and he's still lacking match practice. And I felt like he stayed on the pitch far too long against Oldham. I felt like we should have brought someone with a bit more creativity on um, earlier. And then he was, you know, Hooper was at fault for the for one of the goals there as well. But um, I just want to go back to basics. I said it on Twitter, and we spoke about it. Back to square one. Back to doing what we were doing best. Um, and and back to what got us all those results, you know, in the in the first fifteen games. It's it's interesting you said that, Charlie, because I think um, if you look at the changes from last season compared to this season, there's been a real significant development in our style of play. Like we've gone from having um, sort of you know forty nine or so percent of possession uh, on average last season to fifty nine percent. And although that's a ten percent, you might think that's not that much, but in footballing terms, that's a huge difference in terms of styles of play. And I think you're right, like the, the kind of fluidity perhaps and the and the patterns have been lost. And it's interesting perhaps as to whether or not we solve that by going back to what we were doing better and just basically making plan A work better. And that's something that Brennan's alluded to quite a bit in his in his interviews when he's talking about, particularly against Oldham, we're crossing the ball from too deep. Um, and therefore we're, not, we're in positions where teams can easily counter against us. And people, it's very easy to kind of point at things like one-on-one defending, but a big reason that our one-on-one defending has worked pretty well up until this point has been the fact that we we put the opposition in positions where it's, it's quite hard for them to get a really good out ball because they're clearing their lines or we're able to kind of mop up the second balls or we're, we're pinning the entire team back so that one-on-one doesn't really materialise because it's such a long ball to clear that by the time it's gone up the pitch, we can get Walker out or we can fix it. So it's interesting to see whether Brennan kind of goes with the approach of let me just make plan A better or whether he needs to come up with a plan B. But men, we've talked a lot there about the footballing side of things, you know, the, the need to perhaps think about the roles of Hooper and the you know positional play and the, the way in which we can get Hartigan involved. A big issue for us has been defensive issues. Um, and this is, a, this is a recurring theme last season. This season, we are in the bottom third for teams who have conceded goals. Um, we are still shipping well over a goal and a half um, a, a game in terms of actual goals. And also in terms of you know, expected goals against, we're up at you know, 1.43, which isn't particularly good. We, we also see that compounded with a few other really interesting things. Late goals becoming a real issue for us. One in four of our goals has been conceded after the 75th minute and I appreciate that at national league level that's going to happen to some extent where you've got fitness etc playing a bigger role but defensively we've seemed to have lost that 
stability and it's not just I think individual errors but it seems to be a pattern because we are conceding I think more goals and we spoke against Chesterfield about conceding you know four different four types of the same goal it seems that our analysis there has become unstuck because we seem to be conceding different types of goals set pieces um, you know one ball over the top counter-attack so defensively what are you noticing Mem and then we'll come back to Charlie on the same question initially my gut reaction was a bit, a bit like what, we, what you said about, you know, we made the point that the goals were this very similar against Chesterfield and then and then it seems to have unravelled and we're conceding all types. But I had, a, I had a look at some of the highlights back for the last few games. And what I did notice is there is a bit of a pattern uh, emerging and it feels, um, from what I can see, it looks like some of the intensity to actually uh, close the ball down in, in midfield um, has dropped. So... Against Wildstone, just taking the last game in, in particular, there was quite a few times where Wildstone came close where they got the ball in a sort of kind of a slightly wider mid, sort of like left of centre or right of centre midfield. And they were dropping balls behind our left or right centre back. And they scored their equaliser from that, from that one of those diags from a left. And it's not, and the intensity to close it down wasn't there. So, What's happening is, is that is it, like what you were saying earlier about the fact that in the earlier in the season, because we were so intensely, intensively pressing teams, the quality of their balls, if they were trying to hit us on over the top, wasn't as good because they didn't have the time to play that ball. But what's happening of late is in midfield, we're allowing teams to uh, to get a bet, you know, to have more time to pick their passes a lot more accurately, and and it's killing us against Oldham. Those balls being played over the top. It's too easy to drop those balls in behind a Luwu. And it was too easy. They did that regularly, Oldham, and that was their main tactic. Against Wildstone, there was a diag. They played quite a few diags in, in behind the, the outer centre-backs. Um, and again, the intensity to close that down. So I feel that that's the area of the pitch that needs to be, really is the bit that, that we need to work on, is stopping that supply line from, mid, from midfield. So teams can't just drop balls behind us. Because then that's why we're getting impacted on the one v ones because they got they can get the accuracy because they're not getting they're not enough pressure on the ball. Charlie, we've also seen um, from Dean a little bit of criticism of of the goalkeeping, both directly in terms of him criticizing Walker earlier in the season, and then also indirectly, I think, in terms of his comments like "you should never be scoring from X angle or X amount of yards out." Obviously, Laurie had a phenomenal season last season. I think in terms of individual performance up there with an Akinde level of 2014-15 level in terms of his importance for the club. But this season we've seen a couple of issues perhaps around goals that he would have wanted to you know, to keep out, perhaps creeping in. And then, of course, uh, the penalty against Oldham, which really should have been a red card, or at least would have been very close to being one. And then perhaps a little bit of frustration around distribution at times. Have you noticed anything else in that back line from Walker or Collins and Lua, etc., that perhaps is is beginning to yeah just look, look look a bit weaker than it was say at the start of the season i feel like walker's just going through a patch we all know what he's capable of um he's a brilliant shot stopper um you know some you could say a few of the goals were he was at fault a few of the goals on saturday um i've seen a couple of people saying that on twitter i don't necessarily think he was but you know the, i can't remember him really making that many saves there's something aluwu i'd like to see aluwu um I feel like there's there's Nemanja Vidic used to do it quite a lot for United. He used to there's when he's when he jockeys, he almost shows and and he knows he's quick, which is why he does it. But he he jockeys 
from a much farther distance in which he should, which looks like he's not closing him down. It looks like he's nowhere near the attacker and it gives the attacker more room to look where to go and what to do. So I'd quite like to see Aluwu, it might be his, you know, it might be his thing, but I'd quite like to see him getting a little bit tighter um, and closing down, to be honest. Um, with the whole, you know, I know Brennan has admitted on camera as well after the Oldham game that he that's the way he plays, you know, keeping one at the back and keeping the high line. And we're going to continue to do that. But I think you should expect a lot more goals conceded if we're going to do that. Um, because I'd love to see us play with a bat four or a bat five. And I'd love to see us sit a bit and let teams come to us more. Because when if teams come to us more, we have got the attacking prowess to completely and utterly tear, tear teams apart on the counter with players like... Um, Idris and and Stead and Kabamba, but what we're doing is because we're um, I'm sounding like Mem here because we're um, <laughs> with my tactical with my tactical analysis because um, because we're like push forward um, and we're leaving only one back. It means mo- mo- the majority of our team are in our half and attacking, which then means they then have to sit back the op- opposition, and I don't feel like we're at our best when trying to break down teams. Um, you know, really intricately in in the final third. Um, whereas I'd love to see us sit back. You know, keep let them let them stick a few um, let them stick a few players. You know, up top and um, you know catch them on the counter or, or just have a bit more free flowing football going into the final third rather than passing it around the the six yard box or the twelve yard box and trying to find openings when we could be catching them on the counter. Well, to add to Charlie's point, I think this is a build build on what we mentioned after Chesterfield is I I quite I don't mind the high line if when we're on top. But what what I would like to see more and I've noticed this again in games where we're not on top or games where we're going through a bad patch. We're carrying on with the high line. And I would like, as Charlie says, I would like it. I would like us to in, in game to be able to, to assess the situation and then say, okay, you know what? For the next ten minutes, we're going to sit off. We're going to drop off, and we're going to keep. We're going to keep the lines close together, and we're just going to sit in for a little bit, okay, until we weather this storm. A bit like with Chesterfield when they scored the first goal, I felt that we should have tried to weather the storm. It was the same against Oldham. But what we've done is we've been a little bit naive in that what we do is is as soon as we concede, we want to go straight back at teams and want to go and we want to try and go again. And teams, it's almost like we just keep running. We keep almost like running straight into a punch, and that and and to me, it's it's almost like I'd like us to basically just manage the game better, show a bit more leadership at the back, say, look, we're dropping off. We're not going to play a high line for a little bit. Give it five ten minutes. Let's take this thing out of the game. And then what we'll do is when we get back into the game, we we then we then sort of then we do that again. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I think we actually have got the, the profile of player to do that. Um, in part because we did it almost all of last season. If you think back to some of the games we had last season against sides that we were expecting that they would, they would have a lot of the ball. So I'm thinking Chesterfield at home and I'm thinking Notts County at home as, as two examples. We were very effective at, A, mixing and matching game plans, which against Notts County I think we did in a brilliant fashion. I don't know if you remember, in the first half we really sat off them and let them have a lot of the ball. It got in at 1-1. In the second half we really went for them and stepped up the pitch. Uh, against Chesterfield... The opposite, we, we just really counted incredibly effectively and scored three fantastic goals. So I think it's it's not as though it, we're necessarily saying we need to completely change and, and reject all of our principles. And if you look at the profile of player we've got in the squad that could suit that counter-attacking style, we've got a good range of centre-backs, 
you know, who can do it. We've got Cropper, who can break up the game through the long throw if we need to. We've got Marvin Armstrong, who's really good at covering ground and putting a press on. So I think there's there's options there. One thing I wanted to touch upon, Mem, I think we did a pod a few years ago where we talked about the title-winning side of 2014-15 and the role in which some of the senior players spoke to Alan about recruitment and recruiting and thinking about recruitment, not just as who's the best player we can get, but actually what players are going to perform under what conditions. And they talked a lot about these winter conditions where we saw, for example, back then, the likes of Lee Cook being phased a little bit out of the side in in replacement for players who could perhaps do a little bit more kind of hard running. One of the interesting issues with the formation we've got and the players we've got, if we've got a lot of technical players in that midfield zone, for example, your Brunts, etc., and then you've got your two wing-backs, particularly Idris, who's a very um, you know, dynamic attacking player being played slightly deeper back. There's a risk that in these muddy pitches and in these conditions, they look very leggy because they're being asked to cover so much ground, which they're already being asked to do because we're pressing so high. So I was just wondering whether you think we need to adapt on a, on a weather-based perspective as well, Mem. If there's something perhaps in these winter months where we need to say, right, we've got to be mindful about the pitches, about the load management, etc., and perhaps look at adjusting into a different style of play. So I'll go to Mem first and then come to Charlie on that. Well, I do think I do think if we want to grind out a result, we do have a good profile of players that would grind out a result. But it's whether or not how whether or not we continue with the high press still, even in those conditions. Because if we want to just sit back and and just you know, like you said, and evolve, just adapt the tactics game by game, and you've got a game where it's blowing wind in uh, up north or whatever, and it becomes a restarts game, then obviously Jordan Cropper play, and I'd probably play ben, uh, play Ben Coker as as a left wing back. And just and just keep it very tight and and just play for play for corners and play for free kicks in those games and not look to be so expansive. Um, so I kind of think in the wide areas in midfield, I think somebody like Marvin Armstrong would be perfect in those conditions. Um, I think in the games like Chesterfield where it's a bit high, where it's highly technical, I think he's then that's not his game. I think his game is when it becomes scruffy and it needs that energy for him to cover. I think it's good. We do have. I would like though an additional striker. Probably some ugly, you know. I remember Charlie having his his northern defender. I want, I want, I want basically one of the guys from under the cosh, but ten like ten years younger, like one of those really ugly John Parkin, like a John Parkin, John Parkin. for those games where we just have to just get headers on corners. A, a Michael Gash type. Michael Gash is probably a bit more cultured than I think John Parkin, but I see where you're coming from. Somebody's a bit more kind of manly. And we'll fight it out with a defender. That's the sort of player I think we we miss in our squad for those games where it's mud heat pitches. It's going to be corners and free kicks that are going to win the game or long throws. And I think that we don't have that that profile player in our squad. Okay, on B's pod today, we have a special guest. uh, Someone that probably, to a lot of Barnet fans doesn't need any um, kind of introduction, but I'm sure um, we can do something. So uh, this lady was a big, big part of the KBA, um, a huge, huge, huge um, spearhead of that campaign, um, who's been a Barnet fan for a long, long, long time and one of the most recognisable people, Barnet fans uh, around. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Janet Mathewson. Hi, Janet. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How's life treating you at the moment? Busy. Um, always busy. I think um, it's, um, but it's good to be busy. 
Good, good. Well, th- there's a reason we brought you on today because um, I don't know if a lot of Barnet fans will know this, but you, am I right in saying you're the CEO of Young Barnet Foundation? Yeah. And you have this campaign going on that we thought was fantastic campaign. Um, and we wanted you to come on and, and tell us a little bit about what the campaign is. Um, and what we will do is we will try and um, put, we've put a link up on our Twitter and on our Facebook, but um, we want you to tell us a little bit about what the campaign is and and how people can uh, donate and and what it's going to. So it'd be great for you to tell us a little bit, a little bit about the foundation and, and about the campaign. Okay, so the foundation, there's a, a charity called John Lyons Charity um, that was formed in the 90s, but it goes back to um, a, a gentleman that owned land in Harrow and St. John's Woods in the 1500s. And um, he left the land in an endowment for roads, but roads weren't being used. They didn't need the money. So they set up this charity to help organisations that would help children and young people. Um, so they approached me to set up the Young Barnet Foundation, not to directly help young people, but to help all of the, the really small groups across Barnet that are working with children and young people. So we have a rich tapestry of groups um, touching all um, races and creeds and cultures, um, and they work with the most disadvantaged children across Barnet. Now, Barnet is seen as quite a green leafy borough, but we've got nearly 26,000 children living in poverty in Barnet. So therefore, and when, when we talk about poverty, we're, and people will say, well, I bet they're not working. Actually, these are working, a majority are working parents. But when you look at the cost of living, when you look at the cost of, of renting or buying, um, people just don't have enough money to live on. So unfortunately, children miss out, not only in terms of um, food poverty for, you know, during summer holidays, but they also miss out on Christmas presents, but they also miss out on activities. And that was a large part why we set up the Barnet, Barnet Football Club Community Trust, um, which is now known as the Hive Trust, I think, um, because it was to give um, activities and opportunities to those who couldn't afford it. So what we do now essentially is we help the groups that are doing that work. And part of that is Christmas. So some of these groups are really tiny. They've got part-time staff and volunteers, so they don't have time to run their campaigns. So we're running the Christmas gift campaign where we're asking people to donate um, funds. Um, at the moment, if you donate between in, in the next five days, it's doubled by a funder. Um, so we can go out and we can buy presents. Now we don't get to do the nice thing, we collect the presents, we get people in to wrap them, then we give them to the groups to give them to the children, young people. But they all go to disadvantaged children. It's amazing. That sounds that sounds brilliant. And um, I, I, I'm aware that you've got like a team of uh, volunteers. Is, is this something that you'll need volunteers for to, to help wrap some of the presents? It all depends how many presents we get. So that's that. <laughs> that's the thing. If we're inundated, yes, we'll need volunteers. Um, but I mean, sometimes it is about having volunteers that will go out and just put leaflets out to, to or in or posters in shop windows. Um, so if it's too late for this year, then you know certainly next year, if people want to get involved, um, the more people we reach, 
we have a thing about a bit like Barnet Football Club being a, a local asset. We need to look at our local assets and our community groups are assets. They help to make our community stronger. And we have a saying which I've always it's been it's it's always been a golden thread through all of the jobs that I've had. It takes a village to raise a child. So it's about sometimes we can't give money, but we could give time. Sometimes we couldn't give time, but we could volunteer somewhere. Um, or we could share our skills or do a training session. There is always something that we can do. Um, and I think um, for now, donate if you possibly can, because for the next five days it will be doubled. Um, and then we can get out there and, and, and buy presents and get them wrapped. Um, but also, if you've got new presents at home that, you know, things that you bought for your kids and they're not using, but they must be new because we don't want to give children secondhand presents for them to open because I, I think there's something nice about them having a nice present to open. Oh, definitely. So what's what's the target, Janet? Um, and where are we at, at the moment? Well, I haven't looked as of it started on Tuesday and we start this is the first time we've done the doubling campaign. So normally you go for sort of you know bigger, larger amounts. We've gone for relatively a small amount this year because we have to start building. Um, because we haven't done this campaign before. So we're aiming for about 4,000. We're probably over halfway there now, um, but it goes on, and, as I said, until Tuesday. Um, next year, we might go a bit, it, a bit higher, but it is about building that, it's almost like building a fan base, um, local people who want to support local causes and, and local children. And I think that's what we're trying to do. I'm just a lot of our work today has been supporting the groups to be strong um, because we do training, we help them with their fundraising bids, we raise funds, we've got something called Space to Grow, and we've given out about £1.7 million so far since our formation in 2016. Oh, that's amazing. That I'm just looking actually online, um, you're currently at 70%. Um, I'm just oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just thinking now, when this goes out, if 100 BeastPod listeners chip in a tenner that's actually worth in real terms 20 because it's doubling isn't it that's yeah. an extra two thousand pounds and that and you'll have smashed your target so absolutely. um so i'd re definitely recommend uh, beast pod listeners um it's, it's literally a tenner if you can find a tenner for it and janet how do we how do we donate um the, there is the link to um the big give which i think you've got on your um your um links your various links but also if if you if you're not able to, to to donate to this we have got something called space to grow and space to grow we that runs all year round we the money that we get we give to groups in order to run sessions so um we're just helping two xb um employees actually they've got an organization called lift and we've just given them some funding to run some football sessions on the west corridor of the borough and they're getting 40 or 50 kids a night um, so we've just given them some funding to deliver social inclusion sessions and these are kids that want to play football but have no money to join a, a club so there's always ways to get involved all, all year round fantastic and I, I mean i've joined as a volunteer i haven't had a chance to actually volunteer just yet but i, I but if um 
so people contact the put their name down on the website if they want to come and volunteer is that you can become a friend of young barnet and then we'll keep you informed of things that are going on but simple things that you can do if we're doing a drive share it on your own social media that's the easiest thing you can do um so it's about spreading the word um if you know um anyone that runs a toy wholesalers that we can get stuff cheap from you know anything like that it's the contacts it's you know what can i do to help that's the question you need to ask yourself and that there has to be something there's always something that someone can do to help someone else fantastic janet thanks so much for coming on to, uh, today you can uh, like um like janet said actually yeah you can get the the links for the donation are on our twitter and on the beast pod facebook please give um i'm sure we can smash it amongst barnet fans um, and get you over your £4,000 uh, target. Um, but it's been amazing. Thanks, Janet. Thank you. And Newport Saturday? Indeed, indeed. Um, I think, I'm not sure, I think one out of three of us. Rather chilly. <laughs> no, I've, I've been, I've done Newport too many times. I'm I'm giving it a miss. Oh, oh. I spoke to Eddie Thompson um, yesterday. They've raised some money for us and he came in with some gifts and he was like, I've booked to go to Newport on Saturday. I'm not sure if I've done the right thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> you will if, if we win, you will. Because <laughs> it always <laughs> yeah. feels better with a win away. Yeah. I think it's crest. Well, thanks a lot, Janet. And um, hopefully... Thank you so much. No problem. Guys, nice take care. Bye-bye. Take care, Janet. Bye. Bye. Charlie, we're now kind of, uh, you know, just uh, coming up to midway through the the season. Um, we've, you know, played uh, 22 games out of 46, so just under halfway. Um, and we've kind of played most of that top, we played almost most teams in the league, but we played most of that top uh, kind of grouping there. So if we look at the table as it stands at the moment, you've got Chesterfield, Bromley, ourselves, Solihull, Gateshead, Aldershot, Altrincham, um, Rochdale, Halifax, etc., Having seen those sides, with the exception of Southend, who who might be a, a, a potential addition to that top seven, where do you kind of consider us to be in terms of in terms of the league, and how should we start thinking about expectations? Because I think it's clear that while we we want to win every game we can, and we want to win the league. Chesterfield are going to be very difficult to stop. Then there seems to be a group of teams below that: Bromley, ourselves, Gateshead. Do, do you feel that we're we kind of there's a kind of a Chesterfield, and then perhaps a, a Gateshead, and then ourselves, or do you feel that? you know, anyone could be anyone on their day and we should be aiming, as we said at the start of the season, really to try and get in that top half of the playoff picture. Mm. It's a good question. I feel like, I feel like Chesterfield are in a league of their own. Um, everyone will have blips. We're having ours now. Everyone will have a three on the three loss, loss streak. Um, I feel like from the the playoffs now won't be you know the teams that are in the playoffs now I don't feel will be in the playoffs uh, necessarily in the season Bromley will be up there will be up there um, I can't see even though you know they, uh, I said Aldershot at the start of the season I can't see them staying in there I can't see Altrincham staying in there I think you've got teams like um, Southend Rochdale that will break in at some stage um, I believe we've got what it takes to finish in the top three I really do Um this is just a blip. We've got to remember how well we, we've been doing. We've got to remember how well we are doing. You know, the position we're in, none of us would have taken this. Remember, we, I remember us in Dean's office um, the day before the Hartlepool game doing that pre-season show and we were looking at Dean's board with him and 
we we I think we said we'd be happy after you know at the end of August or September whatever it was we'd be happy to be mid table um, and we would like joint top so we deserve to be where we are um, I think the uh, cropper coming back and once he's back to full fitness I think it's going to be a huge huge boost he's looked really sharp on Saturday he wants to take his uh, full back on. He wants to get in early crosses and he's got a great delivery. We saw that with the Kabamba goal. Uh, and obviously his throw is an absolute weapon as well. Um, and if it wasn't for Wildstone defending so well on Saturday, I think we would have you know, scored off a few of those set pieces. One thing I would say, and this is something I want to see in January, don't know if there's going to be room to bring anyone in or whatever, but Mem started alluding to it with the, with the midfield. Um, I, I, I love Gorman. I love Pritchard. I love Brunt and I love Hardscan. I think they're all unbelievable in their own right. What we lack, I feel, is someone with real athleticism and a real leggy midfielder and a strong leggy midfielder who, uh, a, a Yaya Torre kind of type. Cissé, um, I know Cissé, I think he was at Eastleigh or uh, Musa. Do you remember Musa? He was at Dagenham, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's an excellent um, player. Last year. So, someone like that, um, I, I feel like we really lack... Um, because I noticed on Wildstone when we lose the ball in the fi- in our final third, when they go on the counter, you look at them tracking back, and I love them to bits, but they're not the fastest of midfielders, Hartigan, Gorman, and Pritchard. Their engines and their technical ability is unbelievable, but they're not, you know, that that um, ath- athletic centre midfielder you need to really break up play and, and get back and. Uh, be there to like you know stop counter attacks. I don't think we've got that, so I'm always quite scared and weary when we lose it going forward because we've not got the players to get back and stop a counter from from the centre midfield position. So I'd like to see someone like that coming in January. Um, but to answer your question, I've gone off on a I digress slightly there, but I feel like we'll be in the top three. I feel like we deserve to be in the top three. This is just a blip. You've got to remember that. And 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 it's it's four, it's four defeats, but two of those defeats were against Gateshead and Chesterfield away, which is ridiculously hard games. Um, Oldham are a good side. You know, Mickey Mellon, he's he's going to get them, you know, playing. And then you've got a derby game where anything can happen. So it's not it's it's not really a blip. We've just gone through a tough run of fixtures where it's just not gone our way. We've not had the rub of the green. We've got two cup games now to, you know, put put things right and, and forget about things and, and let the stress off. And then we've got a massive Christmas ahead of us. Before we get into kind of finishing off by discussing that um, Christmas period in the last 10 minutes or so. Mem, we, we always talk on the pod about players or groups or positions we'd like to strengthen in. And I think Charlie's made a really good case there for some profiles of players that would really improve our squads. I think there's also another conversation, which is that we do have a reasonably large squad at the moment. And we have what would be considered by a lot of teams in this league, high quality players who are not necessarily starting week in, week out. Um, obviously, we've had a few injuries, etc. But we've got the likes of Brunt on the bench, um, I know that there's a, a, a much many mixed views on, on on winter, but he was certainly a couple of years ago seen as a really good quality national league defender. Um, so I'm just wondering, ma'am, are there any players in the squad that you feel you want to see more from? Um, because it's very easy to say we want to have new players in, but actually we've got a reasonably large squad. We're seeing players who are coming in and taking the chance, like Charlie just said, with Cropper adding a huge amount of value. Do you think that actually there's someone in this this squad that this kind of rough patch has perhaps created an opening for that you feel would, would perhaps benefit from a run in the side? I was talking to Charlie, uh, thinking about Charlie's um, point about the athleticism. Um, I do think we've got a guy in our team. Admittedly, 
he's not a defensive midfielder. But I do think that some. I think this is now the period of the season that someone like Marvin Armstrong should be coming into the team to add a bit of energy. Um, because we're not going to have those. We're not going to have those silky games now. As the pitches get frozen, the pitches get muddy. Those games aren't going to be silky. So we don't need some. We don't need uh, a ball player in there. We need somebody who's going to cover some yards, um, snap into the press, and actually. Marvin has proven that in games where we want to do a high press, he's he's actually one of our best pressers in the team. So, and I think I agree with Charlie, and we've we've talked about this that we are too easy to play through. Um, but I, to be honest, I, the fun, so one thing I was looking at the, the bench is we are a bit light on the bench, despite the fact we've got all these players and all these players could come in and do a job. We've got a lot of defenders in our squad. Don't have too enough players. I still, I think the jury's out still on senior. Um, so we don't. We could do with another winger or another wide player that would that would be an offensive wide player, um, because I'm not convinced the senior is gonna would be is gonna be the one that's gonna take some of the uh, workload off Idris, and that's where I'd like to see. But I think we need to. Leave, I think I've got a funny feeling that Winter will be gone. I wonder if Finley, uh, if Potter's uh, loan will be uh, shortened because uh, he's not he's hardly played, and I think uh, and I think potentially. Uh, Diara might go, might be gone, might be gone. Like by, uh, he might be paid up at Christmas. Finally, then, as we as we look ahead to what's going to be a very busy festive uh, period, um, we've got a couple of a cup games followed by um, a run into Christmas with some local games against the likes of Dagenham and Southend, etc. Charlie, just briefly, uh, your thoughts on on the balance between the league and the cup? Obviously, is, is this a chance to perhaps rest some of our players ahead of the the busy festive schedule, or is the opportunity to go to Newport and potentially secure a a really big third round tie, something we should we should take pretty seriously. Um, I think so. I think we can. It would not surprise me in the slightest if we went there and won on Saturday. Um, we've got not a bad record there at all, either. Um, I think they're gonna they're gonna look up. I think they're you know they're towards the bottom of the bottom half, just outside the front of flirting with relegation. They're gonna be looking at our last four games. They're going to really underestimate us, I believe, and I think they're going to rest players, and I think that's an opportunity for us to, you know, do do what we know we're good at and, and come away with a result. Um, the following week, Maystone in the FA Trophy. You know, we've got a nice home tie there. Um, they're flying in the south, but you know, we know we all know the golfing class between the two divisions. Um, I before the Chesterfield game, I think you asked me the similar question, or, or I got asked the same question, and. I said we need to focus on the league and the position we're in, etc. But I feel like you know, let the shackles off the next few weeks. Go for it. I think you know we've 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 lost four in a row. Let's let's have something to be excited about. I want to sit down on Sunday or Monday or whenever it is, and I want to watch. I want to watch the draw. I've, I want to watch us, you know, in the hat with the big boys. And I think that will something like that can really bring us all together again. I know. I know. I'm not going to say it's been a detrimental month, but you know, everyone's a bit downbeat because of the results. Um, so let's get let's get in the hat. Let's get some wins in the cup. Go into that uh, Dagenham game, you know, off the back of two good results, and hopefully, you know, still win two trophies, and um, take that confidence into into the league game. We'd all rather that than lose to Newport, lose or draw to Maidstone, and then go into Dagenham having not having not won in six weeks. You know, so I think we need to go for it. It's it's going to be beneficial for the league as well. Go on, man. No, I was just gonna say I think these two cup games gives us a chance to actually try something different. Um, with you know, at the end of the day, yes, if we we don't want to be losing the next two games, but if those two games are a chance for Dean to try something slightly different or just evolve the tactics and evolve the the way the patterns are play, 
so that leads us into the Dagenham game ready to um you know ready to try something different then um then I then what then actually these these have come at a really good time these results and also if we've been against Newport that could fund an extra player for the running. Yeah, so even though we've, I think one of the, the main things, takeaways for me is that even though we've, we've gone through a rough patch, it's incredible we're still in the top three. You know, we've, we've had the luxury almost of, of being able to lose games and stay in our position. That's testament to the, the great start of the season we've had. And fingers crossed into the festive period, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep up some of the really good form. Finally then, um, I just want to say a huge thank you for listening. A big thank you to both of you for coming on. One exciting announcement from me. You may remember uh, last season that we had our first ever Bees Pod Christmas quiz. uh, The final of which was decided in injury time uh, with Trevor now beating uh, Charlie Casson. We're going to get a date in the diary for the similar one this year um, if you want to take part. It's all good fun um, and uh, it involves... Uh, a bunch of questions uh, over YouTube, I think it is. We're going to do the format again. Um, Charlie, I think I might put you up again uh, if you fancy it. Ma'am, if you want to join as well, I don't think you could last time. It'd be brilliant to have you on there as well. Um, and we'll try and find someone to take on Bees Pod after Trevor's got a winning record and see if they can uh, beat Art Barnett knowledge. So both of you looking very nervous uh, at the moment, but I'm sure uh, that will not be the case coming around the quiz. Um, but anyway, apart from that, that's going to be another another trophy another trophy added to collection for me. <laughs> well, be. we'll have to wait and see, um, but hopefully uh, that will be good fun as well. Uh, until then, though, um, I hope everyone has a, a lovely December. Um, safe trips to everyone who's making the journey to um, Wales on Saturday, and we're back with the show very very soon. So, thank you, Charlie. Thank you, guys. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks a lot, Ian. And uh, we'll see you all very very soon. Bye.